Hallelujah. Now, because of the fallen state of the church, the deception that has entered the church, every time the Lord speaks, you will hear him saying, walk with people going in the same direction. Fellowship with people going in the same direction. Now listen to me on this. I found some of these pastors in pastor's fellowships. They were in pastor's fellowships. And in some of those fellowships, there was no agenda for the coming of the Messiah. Oh, I want to invite a white man here. My friend is a white man. He wants to do a crusade. Let's meet together. Let's send him a financial protocol, they call it. Oh, how much money can we eat from him? Oh, can you give us visa? Those are the things I found here. I'm not talking about them. And then, I asked them, but where is the agenda of the coming of the Messiah? And then, when they now decided to follow this message, the first thing I told them, you cannot fellowship with the other pastors anymore. Because they are who is talking, oh, the conversation is dirty sometimes. I don't want to share it here. It gets bad even immoral. I told them, no, there is work. There is work to prepare the bride of Christ. And so, they stopped fellowshipping with where there was no agenda for repentance. There is sin in the church, but it's as if they are numb to it. They are blind to it. It was sensibility. No sensibility to sin. Now you cannot sense sin. Hey, whatever it is you are pursuing, whether it's food or earthly things, who will carry these things to heaven? Who? The church has a mandate, has a bigger agenda. Something that cannot be purchased by money. Only the church, not Islam, not Hindu, not what? The church. You cannot squander it. And so, now they came. And the agenda there is the coming of the Messiah, repentance and holiness, righteousness. Hallelujah. Righteousness. Yes, it is possible. It is possible in this age for the church to be holy again. Because that is where her authority is and power. That is the power for evangelism. Hallelujah. Holiness is the power to evangelism. Holiness. Guess what? They will see it. Otherwise, Islam will be holier than the church. And yet only you worship the true God. Oh yes, this is the truth I bring to you to purify the church. Today the church is being shaken. He's saying walk with people going the same direction. There is another point also. He said, be an example others can follow. He always wanted Israel to be the example of the world. In fact, to the extent that he raised Israel as a priestly nation. Meaning, lead them in worshipping me. That when they see the way you worship me, they will worship me. And when you worship me correct, and I bless you, and they see how I bless you, they will long to worship the God of Israel. Did you understand that? I'm simply telling you biblical principles that the church has not held. Be an example others can follow. The church was supposed to be an example that the world can follow. You are the light of the world. These are basic principles. But the church forgot these principles. 
Look at this now. If you choose to become the example others can follow, then you live in responsibility. You become now responsible. You know that whatever I do, people are... Come on now. People are watching. Yes, they are watching. Be careful. And commenting, right? No, but even the media. The media sometimes become the police of the church. No, 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 no. That pastor has done that. Eh? They publish. They are policing the church. That pastor is doing like that. Going with that woman, they publish these things. You wonder, you know that they are watching. Oh, yes. But if you had lived your life knowing that you are supposed to be an example for the world to follow, you would know that whatever you do, you are now a leader. Responsibility. Whatever you do is supposed to be followed. So you have to be careful. But I don't want you to fear sin because of that. I want you to fear sin because you fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord. That should be center. Hallelujah. And I said, learn to stand alone even in the church. That's another one. How to learn to stand alone. Meaning, if there is sin in the church, you don't have to be in that sin. Uh -uh, let me repeat this. Learn to stand alone even in the church. That's another point. What does that say? He's saying, learn to stand alone even in the church. Meaning, if you join a worship team and there is sexual immorality in that team, you don't have to be part of the immorality. You can stand alone. Why? Because on that day you will account to the Lord sometimes the way I look at the church, the way you people are behaving in the church I see you behaving as though on that day I will stand with my pastor and I will just tell the Lord, you will not stand with your pastor. On that day I will stand with my bishop, my family my congregation. No, 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 no you will stand alone you will not tell the Lord, Lord Look, my pastor never taught me that. No. No. That will not be excuse. And if you will know that, then sometimes some of you will even step out of the teachings under which you are sitting. Uh-uh. I am talking about your eternity. For the sake of your eternity. And then this message has to change you. It must change you. This message is shaking. The church is telling you, if you are sitting under some wrong teachings, Someone telling you financial wealth transfer from the world. Prepare for money is coming where? When the Lord is saying the Messiah is coming. Then you can also change where you are sitting. Why? Because you will never use that as an excuse before the Lord. Lord, you know my pastor mostly taught prosperity. Ah! Will the Lord understand that? In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews 12, 14, make every effort to live in peace and be holy. To live in peace with all men. And be holy. And then he says, for without holiness, nobody will see the Lord. That standard will remain on that day. That's why I have come. That's why the Lord sent me to the church. Because that will not change. And so if I'm telling you to even change from which teaching you are under. If you are busy buying oils and whatever. Buying, you know that church is in the Bible right there. Buying, she went to buy. If you are sitting under false prophets or teaching it, I like this day because this is the day of awakening, reckoning, the day of truth, the day of review. 
After this, you start to review. Oh, yes. That's the purpose I come. That there may be review, that there may be revival, which is renewal. Hallelujah. The other is maintain an eternal perspective in everything you do. That's what you'll hear whenever the Lord speaks. That's very obvious and clear. That whenever the Lord speaks, you almost hear the Lord say, always maintain an eternal perspective in whatever you do, in everything you do. Meaning, if I want to go and join that church, how does joining that church help my eternity? Did you understand how now you start to probe yourself? You start to question your things. How does studying such a course help my eternity? Why? Because of the hour. Because the church is for eternity. And then, look at this now. If I want to get married, how does that marriage help my eternity? Did you understand me now? There are some jobs you'll join that require that you lie. So now you can question that. Yeah, you can say, for the sake of my eternity, I quit this job. Excuse me, job you can quit, but don't quit eternity. If your job, for example, is a criminal lawyer, a criminal lawyer, where a criminal comes and tells you, I have murdered. But I want you to go there and lie and say, I have not murdered. Today you have to think about your job. You have to question everything you do, everything, for the sake of eternity. If you are a criminal lawyer, he comes and tells you, look, I did it. But go to court there and do what? Lie that I did not do it. Hallelujah. If your work is an accountant and you are the one the company is always telling, uh-uh, just make sure the books balance. Just do something. To doctor the books. To lie. He says the following. He says, Anania lied and died. Safira lied and died. He says, the wages of lies, lying, is death. It is sin. That is the truth. I don't come to you to paint sin with white paint. The reason the Lord sent me, and I bless the Lord that he sent me, because first of all, he separated me from, you know, depending on people, what, what, what. Eh? So I can now go and do only the Lord's will. The reason I like that he sent me, because... I am going to go and sin what? Sin, sin. And I don't care now. I don't care. That's where I'm trying to put you people. Where you don't care. You only stand for the Lord. Hallelujah. That is what will help you. When I went to Haiti and warned them about the earthquake. I was talking about an earthquake they had never seen before. So they were like, uh-uh. How do we even believe it? So the question is, how do you go tell them what the nation since birth has not seen it? But because I don't care about public opinion, but I fear what he thinks, I want to be right with him. I said it. And guess what? It came to pass. Hallelujah. Because many times you fear what your pastor friends will think. What my pastor friends will think. I cannot survive alone. You know, because we normally together, we watch each other in this city. And when we do crusades, we do together. No, 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 no. The world is now full of sin. And the church is full of sin. Somebody's going to have to stand up for Jesus. In the church. I'm talking about in the church. Remember that principle I gave? 
learn to stand alone even in the church. That's why I'm saying, you can never be lonely walking with the Lord. You can be rest assured of that. Now, when the Lord Jehovah, when he opened heaven, and the glory traversed, the glory breached the borders of heaven, and came down, and changed the darkness. From darkness became light. What is the message? The church of Christ. You remember first of all. That the Bible. The Bible actually promises the dispensation of the latter glory. The Bible very clearly promises the dispensation of the latter rain. The latter outpour. And if you follow most of the conversations I'm going to share with you, you'll hear the following. You'll hear the man of God saying, and in that dream, I saw heaven open. And then in that dream, so you always hear, heaven open, heaven open, heaven open, heaven open. So there is a message to the church. He's saying, please run to the church of Christ and stand before them and tell them, church of Christ, if you did not know, then now know this today. That at this hour, we are living in the dispensation of open heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. Open heaven. Which means the portals of heaven are open now. The channels of heaven are open now. But I say there is a little bit more than that. So, even me, I was amazed that in every conversation, normally shows me heaven opening first. Heaven opening. Meaning, go tell them. Run, tell them. The heavens are open now. Don't wait any longer. Don't. And the pastors world over are always very eloquent on this. Yes, Lord, we, we were waiting for the dispensation, the Haggai dispensation, Joel dispensation, whichever way they call it. The dispensation of open heavens. But guess what? Right now here. It's right now here. And you see the number of cripples that walk. I cannot find them. Because we are on TV, on airtime. We are limited. So it's amazing. It's really amazing. It was never written to us. We did not know how that latter revival was going to show up. The mechanics. The mechanism. We did not know that part we didn't know. But we heard it was coming. But what I'm saying is this. I'm saying I don't get to meet all of them because we are on airtime. We are on TV. We are on airtime. So it's amazing because the Lord tells me, because I see before, that when you walk into the meeting, when you walk in the meeting, the cripples will begin without prayer. Hey! Don't miss this revival. Don't miss this revival. And by the way, now it has begun in many places. Listen to this. What amazes me is this. So many people are healed and for each miracle, it is enough to do that meeting. Just one. Yeah, just for one miracle, it is enough to plan it even for a year and do it. I give the example of my daughter, Cynthia Wanjiku. You know, I don't get to meet them. There is no time. You're on airtime. Why are you blind? Yes, I'm blind and whatever. And then even you tell them, they read using Braille and name it. There's a whole story behind it. But look at this now. 
Only recently during Thanksgiving, normally the pastors, we do Thanksgiving meetings, the pastors and the bishops normally now bring them. Because there you have two to three minutes with somebody because we are on airtime. We need to cover as many. I'm just announcing to you that there is a new dispensation in the church. And I'm talking about the latter outpour. It was meant to be realized. But let me just share this. Later, the pastors bring them. Who is this person? Oh, my name is Peter. Peter Nirangu. Okay, you're Peter Nirangu. What happened to this person? This was a lunatic. He was a lunatic. What, what? So there was a whole story behind him. When he came, he was so violent, he crushed the emergency screen. The back of the bus, he crushed. He ran even to the bush. And a lot of searching had to take place. Find him, tie him like you tie a goat in a sack. When he arrived, because we do gate one, gate one, the gate where the sick come. That is where the glory of the Lord is. Somebody didn't understand me. Designate one gate and call it the sick. So let the sick come only through, we announce, you must pass only through that gate. It is incredible. Actually, I told them, gate one, we call it gate one. That is the glory of the Messiah, that one. Because you see a cripple, and you try to remove the crippled child from the wheelchair. When you live like this, fall on the dust like that. The legs are like that. You understand? And then you see when the cripple is at the altar now walking. I said, this is the glory of the Messiah. So that is now the enormity of the latter visitation. But listen to this now. Listen to this for a moment. So Cynthia Wanjiku, for example, who was totally blind. And it's so powerful, this glory. This latter glory. Look at this now. I always want to investigate a little bit. I know we have the clips before. We are now. Now, I asked Cynthia Wanjiku, because I want to know some things. When your eyes first opened, what did you see? What is it that you first saw? So that is where the glory is. It was amazing to me. And the questions I was asking are so big. She says, it's amazing. These people don't even have faith. Even faith they don't have. That's what I discovered. She said, she actually visited a friend of hers who is also blind. And as she was in that home, the cousin to the friend came and said, look, there is a healing service. The mighty prophet is going to this place here, Kisumu. The cousin wants to take this blind one she's visiting. And they said, let us ask her also. She might want to come, so we take her also. She was not from her home. Hey! She was not coming from her home going to a healing service. She had visited another blind person. So, I found that also out of investigation. I found she didn't come from her home. From there, she also agreed she was brought. Her eyes opened, but I wanted to know. When your eyes opened, what was the first thing you saw? She said she didn't have faith because she had blind eyes have opened and so forth. She was like, oh, no, that cannot be true. And she had of another blind who is actually a Muslim girl. She knew that girl. So when she heard, she did not believe. And she said, I want to go after one week and check whether she still sees. She knew this is a small community. A Muslim girl. Now the issue is this. Now she heard. It's amazing when you interview them. She heard the voice of another and she knows her. But she said, after a week I will check. This must be a lie. If it's something that happened, it must be only for today. It will change back. She didn't even have faith herself. And so she said, they were put at a place, all the sick, and then she sat with another blind, 
they sat down and when the man of god came in she said i've never known you i've never heard your voice but i heard a voice saying the healing anointing of the lord has now entered here let the sick now receive their healing that's what she said she heard but she said i did not know if that was the prophet of the lord or not because i had never heard the voice and that's the time the person guiding them told them to stand up and i said now you can do what you could not blind eyes now you can open. He was saying that kind of stuff. And then this person, because I wanted to know what did she first see. This person asked them, stand up, they stood up. If you see something, let me know. Did like this to them. And she said, I saw something like this. I said, wow, you saw something like this? Yes, but I did not know what it is. So until I touched it, then I realized a biro. She called it a biro. The first thing she saw is a pen. But then, when she presents it to me, she does her finger like Because she doesn't know what a finger looks like. Remember that. She says, I saw something like this. So, and when I touch it, because you know, their touch is very powerful. Their sense of touch is developed. They learn through that. So, when I touch it, then I realize the viral. Then the celebration began near me there. And then I asked her, but what happened to you in your heart when that happened? She said, nothing. Because me, actually I thought I was having an imagination you don't understand me you don't understand the latter glory of god i want to share on this open heaven that is the testimony of the lord listen to this now i found out she had no faith she said because i thought i was having an imagination i thought it was not true and then i said hey, you didn't even jump up I said no i did not believe and then she said then i was told to walk towards the altar and I said, then how did you walk? Did you see the path? Yeah, between people, I could see the path. But I said, but as you were walking, did it strike you that? Just a moment. Today I'm seeing. You see that? I was looking for that electric moment in her. Yes, but I was trying to interrogate her. So, she said, no. I didn't have that moment. Because for me, I knew that even when I go home, I would just go back to blindness. Hey. Hey. They live so much in darkness. They cannot get used to anything else. They don't know anything else from birth. And so, listen to what happened. I really interrogated her until I asked. But when you entered back to your brother's home, where she has been blind for life, then I asked her, okay, then what is it that you first saw that shocked you? I was looking for a shock moment in her. It is not a small thing. Did you understand me? I believe it's a big thing. So I'm looking for the moment that jolted her. Then she finally revealed it. She said, when I entered the house and I looked at television, I was so shocked. She said, what shocked me is that I saw small, small, small people inside there feeding while they're and talking. I knew that my Lord has done a big thing. I wanted no end. You cannot be totally blind. Okay, she had no faith. It was strictly the anointing of the Lord. This anointing that really healed her. She had no faith. But it still has to shock you. Because you have been blind. You have been totally blind. Now listen to this now. She said, I was so shocked I asked, they are small, small people or what? Where? That is the moment I met a woman born blind whose eyes have just opened. And she said, and when I checked inside, 
they were just in a house, just like our house, but it was small. And so I tried to look at the back. She shares a story. Now I understood. I met a woman that was born blind. But look at this now. She also said, in the meeting, when I looked at the people from the altar, I was so amazed. I said, what amazed you? The way she says, the way they were putting things on their heads. You see, what shocked me is the way they were putting things on their heads. Others had long, others short. Then I found out that those who have put long things are ladies. And short are men. Then later I found out that that is their hair. Their hair they are put, which is on their heads. And then also I still investigated her father. What has shocked you? She said, when I looked at people, I was so shocked where their eyes were placed and that they could see me eye. I could so so it, it was a shocking moment that even the eyes to see her, she was shocked that hey, they see the eyes. It was amazing, really, that she was shocked that eyes are looking at her. People have eyes and they are looking. And then she says, when she saw babies, I asked her, "What shocked you about the babies?" Yeah, the way they did not have teeth, I was so shocked. So I wondered, how do they eat? Ah! I'm using this to explain the following on this vision. The open heaven, the latter flow, when you saw that glory come out, when he said greater things than I, the latter rain would be greater than the first rain. The latter anointing than the first rain. You see, now, these people are healed and there are so many here. Sometimes we are running out of air time and I'm getting, what was it? Are you also healed? Yes, I was healed. What was it? This was a cripple. Ah, that is so big. But I'm running. I'm running because of airtime. We have been told we are five minutes. Some try to get as many people to clear from the line. A cripple. In the Bible, one cripple is healed. It's so big. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the first rain. That promise was meant to be realizable. It was meant to crystallize to you, this generation. It was meant to be realized. So listen, precious people. So, when the cloud came down, look at the following things here. The man of God says here that there was a coup d'etat. There was an overthrow. That light came and chased away. He said, go completely, don't even come back. There was a complete takeover, colonization, conquering of darkness. You find that when the glory came, he chased away the darkness. He did not negotiate with darkness. Uh, excuse me. He did not say, what does this darkness want? Let me go find out so we can agree. Uh, I did not see that, look, now this is light and now it become gray areas. No. When the light came, there was no discussion with darkness. There was no mixing with darkness. He simply chased away the darkness until the light reached the earth. So, if the Messiah came as the light of God to the world, if the Messiah in his glory, the embodiment of the glory of God, came to the church as the light of God to the world, to the church. 
Listen to me. Then why? Why is it that the church has been busy negotiating? Ah, let us do interfaith. Let us meet some imams. You don't touch me, I don't touch you, so we agree together. Whatever. Excuse me. Excuse me. Which light is that? Which salvation is that? Which glory is that one? Look at this now. The light came and overthrew, meaning violently, military takeover, conquest, conqueror. But the church has been busy negotiating to the extent you have even negotiated at the pulpit with homosexuality. You have also negotiated with the world. The world is now in the church. And it's alright. It's as if the two have mixed now. If you look at the dressing of women in the church, it's like in the world. The gospel they preach in the church is like the way we doctors say, put here, get here. That's what they're doing in the church too. He's saying that the salvation of Jesus that you received, he that brought the glory of God does not mix with darkness. In other words, this salvation we have has no middle ground. Either you are born again or you are not born again. Either you are born again or you are not. Either you are saved or you are not. Read the following. Let us read some scriptures here. John chapter 5, 24. Hallelujah. Finally, I begin to talk a little bit as I'm moving towards the wedding rings. When I will now go to scriptures that will touch on that vision. Because you remember I said it must line up with scripture. So we'll get there and guess what? When you get there, then you find the revelation. The instruction also is there. But let me first build this foundation. John chapter 5, 24. Then he says the following. I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. Meaning, when you receive this salvation, look at this now. You are removed from condemnation to eternal life. Not in the middle. Not in the middle. So what is the church doing in the middle ground? Can I move on now? I've given the scripture. The book of 1 Corinthians 1.18. 1 Corinthians 1.18. Hallelujah. Then it says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are saved, it is the power of God and the gospel. Look at this now. He removes you from perishing to eternal life. He does not say there is a common ground. So what is the church doing in the middle? That is my question to you today. That is why the Lord sent me the church world over to ask this. Why is the church negotiating with homosexuality? Ah, no, don't touch them, please. Let's love them more. Because even you, you are black. Can you imagine if we had said that blacks cannot preach? How you would feel? Hey! How can you reason like that? How can you reason like that? I've been all over Europe, they say that sometimes. But no, we cannot segregate. They say, no, 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 no. That's homophobia. That be 
because of pressure, so-called legislations, so I should find a common ground. Eh? Ah! No. You never change the gospel. Please don't. Please don't. Oh yes, I've never changed it. Has become tougher, has become more stringent, more harsh. And then the cloud came. I am right. I have evidence. There is no common ground. The Lord did not send me in the middle ground between light and darkness, the gray area. Uh -uh. Light. Either there is light or no light. John 3.16, you know that. From perishing to eternal life. That's the what Jesus did. You cannot tell me that Jesus came and he had energy, he had power to remove you only up to the middle ground. He removed you from death to eternal life. He had enough power. So what is the church doing between death and eternal life? Mixing. Preaching money and name it. Huh? And all these things here. What is she doing there? Can I move on now? 2 Corinthians 2.16 The moment of truth has arrived. In other words, what are the ministers doing in the house of the Lord? What are the short dresses doing there? What is sexual sin doing at the pulpit? What is the gospel of money doing there? Prosperity. The gospel that came from the devil. The gospel that says, no, you can bribe God and get away with holiness. What is it doing there? Second Corinthians 2.16 Hallelujah. And he says, to the one we are the smell of death, to the other fragrance of life. And who is equal to such a task? And then verse 17, I like many. Okay. From the smell of death, the fragrance of life. You understand the message? The next one. The book of uh, John eight twelve. I am the light of this world. John eight twelve, right? I am the light of this world. And then in there it says also, whoever walks with him, whoever receives him, must walk in the light. And then First uh, Thessalonians 5, 15. He says, those he redeemed, walk in the light in the day. Those he did not redeem yet, in darkness, in the night. Meaning, he removed us from darkness to light, from night today hallelujah john 3 18 hallelujah john 3 18 whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands to be condemned already because he has not believed in the name so there you go from condemnation to what eternal life i'm simply telling you that there is a dysfunction in the church I'm simply explaining that when the glory came down, never do you hear in my narrative that they mixed with darkness and there was a gray. What is witchcraft doing in the church? What are false prophets doing in the church? What are they doing there? He's saying the salvation we received removed us from darkness light. Death to life. Condemnation. Justification. You can go down and down. I just needed to explain to you some of the things that that glory did by overthrowing darkness.
Hallelujah. But when you start to preach righteousness and rebuke those short dresses, the open chest, the immorality, name it, the dancing, remove the guitars and the drums from the house of the Lord. Can you stop that dance? Remove drums, play keyboard, and let people just lift up their hands and worship the Lord. He has told me he wants to visit. He wants to visit. This is the radical gospel I brought to this nation and all over the world now. But listen to this now. How do you tell a pastor who is used to mentioning money that they cannot say it here? How do you do that? How? Because they know they need it for ministry, they say. No, you are wrong. You don't need money for ministry. You simply need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Oh yes, there is the changing of the paradigm of the gospel here right now. The devil has lied to you that you focus on money, then you've lost righteousness. You've entered into the wages, the sin, the sin that money has brought to the church. Let me tell you this. I can prove them wrong now. So, you cannot stand here and ask for money. Why? Because there has to be a difference. There has to be a difference. Otherwise, you are lying. Because I'm saying, if God is God, then let God be God. If that has brought sin and has come to clean it up, then let us clean up the church. Then The fear that doing so will reduce your sheep. They will run away. That is true. That actually is true. Of course, there is a little shaking that will take place. Let us cross over. Because the Lord of the harvest is the one that owns. He owns and he will bring his sheep. Did you understand? Let nobody lie to you that if you do this, you lose what? No, 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 no. You gain. So you tell me. Is this not the way to go? Why has the devil lied to the church? Uh-uh. Pastors, you know the word. Why has the devil lied to the church? And that's why the Lord sent me with zero tolerance to sin, zero compromise, to rebuke the apostasy that purification may take place. But look, it was supposed to be a holy revival. Holy. Holy. And somebody lied to you. But no, you see, we cannot be as holy as Jesus. Excuse me. But still, don't change the gospel. Don't change it. Don't change it. If you don't change it, soon they'll realize that actually the Lord himself is standing with you. Can I now read a scripture here? So now, I want to touch a little bit now on the following. On Then, when the Lord showed the golden glorious ancient, ancient wedding rings. What is the message of the church? Hallelujah. I said that Every time the Lord speaks, you and I must find it where? In the Bible. So I'm not going to do anything different from that. And you can imagine from the background where I was coming. I really needed the Bible. I needed to make sure it is there so I could even understand the message to the church. So listen to the following. One time, the Lord Jesus, after resurrection, he came and he took his disciples And he went with them behind the wall of Jerusalem. Behind the eastern gate of Jerusalem. And they climbed the western slopes of the Mount of Olives. 
after he's resurrected. And when they had reached the peak, they went a little bit towards the eastern slope. Remember, they climbed the western slope, which is opposite the eastern gate. And they went slightly, a little bit now to the eastern slope and stopped there at a place called Bethany. He had resurrected. And then at that place, look at this. He stood and they were here like this. Then he took his nail-pierced hands, the ones he normally shows me when he comes talk to me. Oh yes, they became part of his identity. It's unbelievable. But I don't know, sometimes I ask many questions. Because sometimes when he presents it, then you see that the wound is still raw. So that I've been battling with that for a long time now. I said, could it be that we have never understood the price of the cross? Could it be that we may never understand in this lifetime the real price he paid? Because I remember asking him at one time, Lord, why is the wound fresh? You see, but anyway, so he stood there and he lifted up his nail-pierced hands to bless them. And when he did that, a cloud came and lifted him up like this and covered him into heaven. And they remained very shocked as you can imagine. Perplexed, bamboozled, puzzled, confused, distressed. And then two appeared, dressed in white. And I know quite a lot about the two. There's so much I know about the two. Listen to this now. And they stood there and they asked them, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here so perplexed and confused or distressed, puzzled about this? Know ye not, know ye not that this same Jesus who has been taken from you in this way will come back in like manner. The Bible promises that the Messiah would do it. Come back. Now I'm beginning to deliver the message of the wedding rings. The Bible promises that the Messiah would do it. Would come back. However, when you go to the Bible, you find two comebacks. Because if you got the book of Revelation 16, 15, you get one comeback. And then we are going to read the second one, the other one, which is in Revelation 1-7. Can we go to Revelation 16-15? Hallelujah. Revelation 16-15. It says, Behold, I come like a thief. And it says, And blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his clothes with himself, that he may not go naked and be shamefully exposed. On this one here, he says, like a thief. Meaning secretly, the way thieves do. Meaning unaware, unannounced. Like a thief, secretly. And there is another one in Revelation 1.7. Look at this now. Hallelujah. He says, look, he is coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him. And all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. You see this other one here. This other one he comes. And everybody, even the enemies of Jesus. Even those who pierced him. The enemies of the cross. The enemies of Jesus. The enemies of salvation. That's what it means there. Everybody will see him. This one here. And the other one. Is like a thief. Why do I do this? Because I know. I know that there is apostasy in the house. There is modernism in the church. 
So some of these things you can take for granted. You just have to make sure you specify to them. That's my responsibility. If I don't, he might strike me. Because of what's at stake. So which one of the two have I come to speak to you about? Which one of the two? The Lord has sent me to announce to you the coming of the Messiah at the midnight hour like a thief. Like a thief. Sometimes you hear people saying they call it the coming of the Lord. Sometimes they call it the rapture of the church. Sometimes they call it the return of the Christ. The coming of the Messiah. The day of the... There are many ways people talk about this. However, the Bible, the Bible calls it the day of the wedding of the Lamb. Hallelujah. That is what I'm going to talk about. So that I may be able to line up those two golden glorious wedding rings with scripture. Revelation chapter 19 now. Hallelujah. So now, I want us to read from Revelation 19. Only three verses. Verse 6 to verse 9. It says, Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for the Lord God Almighty reigns. This is what he heard. Look at what he says further on. Verse 7. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and the bride is ready. Oh, did you understand where I was coming to? I'm going to explain. Then he says, finally then, bright and clean was given her to wear. Then he says, finally then, Stands for the righteousness, the righteous acts, the righteousness of the church, righteous acts of the saints. Then he says, and then the angel said this to me, right? He said, blessed are those who are invited into the wedding feast of the Lamb. Ah, hallelujah. He's saying, those who are invited into the wedding supper, the wedding dinner, according to our God, that is the way he defines blessedness. So today I'm also going to change your definition of blessedness. He's saying, blessed are those who are invited into the wedding feast of the Lamb. The wedding dinner, wedding supper. And he said, these are the true words of God. That's how he finishes. Listen, precious people. He's saying that those wedding rings now, now we can understand the conversation that was happening. The instruction that was being administered to the nations. And he's saying that if they note the day of the wedding of the Lamb of God, he's saying then there is a scripture in the Bible that the Holy Spirit has engraved there that celebrates that day. And he says in that scripture, in that celebration of that day, he says, therein is the instruction. But what he says in the beginning, verse 6, is that when that day comes, there is a historic 
celebration like has never ever been seen since heaven was created. Ah, did you understand me? Did you understand why he took time to show me details? The whole vision was really unshowing. All the time when he began to speak, now it was coming to an end. He took a lot of time showing the design, showing the what. Listen to the precious people. He's saying, according to heaven, when that day arrives, the day that nobody knows the day or the hour, when that day arrives, he says, there will be historic celebration like has never been seen before. And he says, shouting in multitude, we don't know how many millions, which can only tell you that it was long time in waiting. Long time in coming. They waited and waited. And then, you look at the design, the way he was showing the design was amazing. Because it is like there is long time in waiting for this day. So part of what he told me is that, look, look what I have accomplished. Look what I have achieved. Ah! Meaning, the showing of design and all the build up, the development of the rings, the spiritual rings, look at this, and putting at the door, meaning, tell them to enter only through this event. They're putting at the open door. There is so much information I want to download though. Huh? And also, Look at this now. The design, the dust, the inside, as if cracked tiles, whatever. Meaning, he was preoccupied. Totally consumed. Taken up with it. Absorbed in this. Invested all his time. Invested all the effort. Meaning, all the heavenly resources he has put there. He held nothing back. All this time, since Jesus went to the cross. Walking, 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 walking. Because that day, the way we have now seen, that day now becomes the most important day in the kingdom of God. In the heavens of our God. And saying, look, I have shown you now the amount of effort I have spent to prepare for that day. The amount of time I have spent prepare for that day. The amount of resources I have not held back to prepare for that day. Run and stand before the church of Christ and ask them, church of Christ, if that day be important to you too, have you spent all your time preparing for that day? Did you understand me? Have you spent all your effort preparing for that day? Have you spent your life that's your resources. Preparing for that day. Did you understand me? And yet, he made me know that the rings are ancient. Ancient. That if I go everywhere, I don't find it. And this year, they are designed, wow, they put something like a crown and diamond also on top. They are modern designs. And he said, no, ancient. He's saying, run to the church of Christ and ask them, what is this modernism all about? What is this modern salvation doing in the house of the Lord? Because the rings talk about the wearer. Tell them by making ancient design like that of 1912, a great grandmother remove and give you. I am saying that, oh, 
how I long for the first faithful primitive church. Oh, how I long for the beautiful first faithful, excuse me, somebody, faithful. They walked. And when they walked, they walked Christ Jesus crucified, resurrected. When they preached, they preached Christ Jesus crucified, resurrected. When they went to sleep, they dreamt Christ Jesus crucified, resurrected. When they went to testify, they testified, even they shared bread fellowship, they testified Christ Jesus crucified, resurrected. He's saying, when they died also, they died, Christ Jesus crucified, resurrected. So he's saying, oh, how I long for the first primitive faithful church whose salvation was centered on the cross. Whose life centered on the cross. The messages they preached centered on the cross and the blood. Tell me, why have you changed it? Why have you become too modern? The gospel is modern. Prosperity and then big people, a big sack of money and oil shaking hands, they preach the suits. They preach their wives' hair, their homes they are built. They preach their friends in America, invite them, whatever. They do there. Excuse me. Did you understand what the Lord is saying? The Lord is saying, He longs for the first faithful primitive church where the gospel is not the gospel of prosperity. It is not modern. It is the gospel of the cross and the blood. And he's saying that the Bible promised that the latter church, this church, was supposed to be more authoritative than the other church. But unfortunately now, this church is lower. So did you understand the amount of work we need to do? Because I've just described to you here the cripples that cannot reach all of them. When I hear celebrations in the villages, 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 that's when I know, wow, another cripple was healed over there. Wow, another blind. Villages now celebrate on their own. They wait at the bus stop because they watch on TV, they see. So they wait to celebrate and the cripple is now walking in front of them as they are going home. It's beautiful. He's saying, let us clean up the gospel of money from the church. Let us clean up the gospel that tolerates immorality in the church. The nude dressing of women. Women dressing, tight skirts, showing the body to the pastor. Pastor, look at my body, laughs at me. Did you understand me? Do you understand why the Lord sent me? With zero compromise. And I don't care normally because I don't want you to love me. I want you to love him. When you love him, then you see eternity. I'm just a messenger. Meaning I cannot change the message. It's not my message. I'm just a vessel. If I change it, remove me tomorrow. Hey! He's saying celebration in verse 6 is historic. Like never before. The day is historic. And he's saying, how about the church? Is that day historic too for you? Is it that much historic to you? Do you belong to the kingdom of God? If you do, then you need to prepare well for that day.
Shalom. If you know that this message has touched you, and you know that you are not right with the Lord, please, repeat this prayer with me. Say, Dear Jesus, I repent today and reject sin. Lead me into righteousness. I receive you as Lord and Savior. Please protect me in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Shalom Todaraba. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.